Welcome back to the website of the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. I'm going to refer to the book of Judges in the Old Testament. We invite you to have your Bible open to the book of Judges in the Old Testament. As you would expect, I need to review a little history with you here. There is an excellent summation of what this Old Testament book is all about in Judges chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. I want us to read that, Judges 2, 16 through 23. That will give us a really good idea, a synopsis of what this Old Testament book is about and the history that it covers. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of their raiders, Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. They quickly turned away from the ways of their ancestors who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies so long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, The Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. Many of you have read and studied the book of Judges before, and you will immediately recognize in this reading that this is a perfect synopsis of the history covered in Judges, and it captures the tone of the book and the evil that spread among the people in that time. I I think you could say broken people in contrast to God's faithfulness. The people were broken down by their own disobedience to God. God was faithful to forgive them and save them and restore them, sending judges to lead them over and over again, showing his patience and grace. But the pattern of disobedience to God, continued, broke the people, tore the nation into ruin, and set them up for future damage. Did you hear that phrase in verse 17? They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. This was after the nation entered the promised land, after the death of Joshua, before the days of the kings. All right, 
Here's another statement about the general attitude, the climate, the culture of the people in that time. In Judges 21-25, the last verse of this Old Testament book. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I want to start there. If you just look at that single verse, without the historical setting, just this verse, you might be tempted to think, well, the problem was they had no king. If they had leadership, everything would have been great. Here's the answer to that. They had a king, not an earthly monarch, but they had a king. I want you to look with me back at Judges chapter 8, 22 and 23. Judges 8, 22 and 23. After the episode of victory with Gideon and his 300 men, the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Here was Gideon's response. I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Now, whatever may be said about Gideon, his reply was true. God was the king, ultimately, the ruling authority over his people. They had law from God. God was their sovereign. 1 Samuel 8, 7, 1 Samuel 10, 19, 1 Samuel 12, 12. So the problem during the judges' period was not that they didn't have a ruling earthly monarch, therefore they were living in turmoil and sin. No, what's happening in Judges 21, 25 is the writer is identifying the time period, not the cause of their sin. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So the last verse in Judges identifies the time period in those days. What days? When there was no king in Israel. And then describes or documents what was happening in that time frame? Moral anarchy. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, here's where I want to go with that. I want you to note that phrase, in his own eyes. I want to say about this, there are other eyes observing man. There are other eyes observing man. In Judges 2.11, go with me there, Judges 2.11, where it says, and the people of Israel did what was evil, listen to the next part, in the sight of the Lord. Here's what we need to think about. How we live is viewed constantly and perfectly by the Creator. How we live is viewed constantly and perfectly by the Creator. So these people in the time of the judges, when there was no king, did what was right in their own eyes, but there was another set of eyes, the eyes of the Lord. Let me make that point. 
Proverbs 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching on the evil and the good. Proverbs 5, 21, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Matthew 6 and verse 4, Jesus was teaching about giving, and he said that your giving may be in secret, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. In Lamentations chapter 3, the prophet speaks of the Lord from heaven looking down and seeing the sin of his people. And in verse 15, to God, you have seen the wrong done to me. God sees. He is watching. He knows. So there is another set of eyes to be accounted for. Man may do what is right in his own eyes and be perfectly satisfied being a law unto himself, but there is another set of eyes focused on man. So here's where we are about these people during the time before they had an earthly king. Though they had law from God, though God was their ultimate sovereign ruler in heaven, they were doing whatever they wanted to do. And yet there was another set of eyes they were not accounting for. From this history, three lessons for us to learn today. Number one, moral anarchy has never proved to be beneficial to any people. Lawless societies have no future. They move toward ruin. While Christians can continue to obey God under a variety of forms of government, even corrupt governments, the historical documentation is lawless societies have momentum toward ruin. They have no future. When people reject the authority of God by putting self on the throne, spiritual and moral collapse results. We were not made to be independent guides of ourselves apart from the Creator. Jeremiah said, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Just as individuals discover this, so do groups and nations. Moral anarchy has never proved to be beneficial to any people. Number two, even when something is attractive to me, it may be exceedingly hideous to God. They did what was right in their own eyes, ignoring the other set of eyes. If I want to avoid personal moral anarchy, I need to examine my heart and life as God sees it. I need to reflect on his view of my life. How do I do that? James 1 says we look into the perfect law of liberty that God gave, his word. We use his word as a mirror to see what we look like to him. In that process, if honestly pursued, we will discover some things 
that seem attractive to us, but that don't look good to God at all. Even when something is attractive to me, it may be exceedingly hideous and ugly to God. Attractive to me, ugly to God. Number three, the history recorded in the Bible repeats over and over the folly of humanism. Humanism is a worldview that relies on man as the supreme intellect and sovereign. Humanism rejects submission to God, holding man up as a sovereign. I wrote about this back in the 1980s, and I found this quotation in my research from a humanist who very well defined that worldview. What is humanism? And who is humanist. Morris Storyer said, for our purposes, I will identify as humanist all who, in the basic deliberations and action decisions of their lives, have set aside faith in revelation and dogmatic authority, if they ever had it, and settle for human experience and reason as grounds for belief and action. Uh, in response to that, I would say don't settle for human experience and reason. There's something higher. Don't settle for human intellect and experience that rules God out. Jeremiah, again, in Jeremiah 17, 5, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Likewise, Psalms 146 and verse 3, do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. Do you ever look around in our society and ask, how did we get into such a mess? Violence, families in crisis, did you know the average duration of a marriage in the United States is eight years? We observe godless leadership, greed and corruption, the continued scourge of abortion, religion and decline, the absence of Bible authority, some who allege there is no such thing as truth or that truth is whatever you want it to be in the moment for you. Emotionalism without a standard of right and wrong, increasing reliance on human reasoning rather than the knowledge freely given by the Creator. How did we get into such a mess? It is what happens when each person does whatever they want to do in their own eyes, not knowing or caring there is another set of eyes focused on our conduct to which we will all be accountable. How did we get into such a mess? It is what happens when each person does whatever they want to do in their own eyes, not knowing or caring, there is another set of eyes focused on our conduct, and to him, the Creator, we shall all be and are accountable. So, is there any good news? about the history documented in the book of Judges. All through Old Testament history, 
there is a thread or theme of God's plan to provide a remedy in the person and work of Jesus Christ. During times of massive spiritual decline, God was working out his plan to offer grace to people who do not deserve such consideration. That grace is the story of the gospel so needed today. The grace is appropriated into your life when you hear, believe, and obey Jesus Christ. As you consider all we have studied in this session, please remember there is another set of eyes watching you, ready to care for you and receive you and save you through Jesus Christ. What will be your response? Thank you for listening.